Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Well, Johan Franzen, we may as well talk about the guy briefly. He has just suddenly turned into Yamir Yager, if not, if not better. It's incredible. Hopefully he can keep it up. Uh, I watched part of the ball game last night between Dallas and San Jose, San Josie. Yeah, that went into four overtimes, I understand. And I, I gave up. At 1 a.m. after yeah. two overtimes. And the good news for the Wings is, although Dallas is a pretty strong team, that uh, they're going to be a little bit of a tired team. Tired. Although the game, you know, the first game doesn't start for several days, so I think they'll be okay. I know a lot of uh, local listeners will recall Marty Turco's tenure as a U of M goalie. Yeah. But... Uh, I don't know. I've never been a big fan. Didn't Brandon Morrow play? Brandon Morrow played, played at U of M, too. too. Yeah. Um, I've never really understood. Uh, to me, Turco is too much in the Belfour school under whom he studied as a mm-hmm. backup goalie, um, if one can call it study under Belfour. Um, he wanders from the crease so erratically. Yeah. And I think the Wings will look to take advantage of that. And uh, He better be very careful against the Wings. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to handle the puck too much. He did make one absolutely incredible save. Oh, there were several brilliant with, saves with his in foot that game. up in the air, yeah. on you know, raising his foot. Yeah, uh, uh, that was despite uh, looking like they might have been playing in the Arctic, that's uh, rapidly melting. Lovely slushy ice there. Dallas has horrendous ice, and that might be the only bad thing about them winning. They may uh, be able to take a little bit of advantage of that at home because the Wings, of course, rely on speed, poise, and finesse. But I think that the, it's very interesting. I think uh, the contrast in the team this year is is the improvement they've made on defense. It's just uh, remarkable how Rafalski has helped. Of course, having Cronwell healthy and all that. Stewart's a good acquisition. So. And uh, even Chris Chelios can still mix it up looks to be a good series i say wings and six yep and the other series should be very interesting because uh, obviously you got the the big star of the nhl the the two big stars or two of the three big Crosby stars and malkin yeah against a team that's kind of on a roll playing pretty well philadelphia very physical so uh, that might be a and it's a interstate rivalry yeah I was a big Buckos fan in the 70s, and uh, we certainly had a rivalry with uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. Well, I remember when the Wings uh, faced the uh, Philadelphia Flyers in the Stanley Cup Finals in 97. Of course, they go- went on to sweep that series. But at that time, the uh, Red Wings had a large Russian component, mm-hmm. just the one Russian player now. It's become mostly Swedes and Canadians and Americans. But at the time, the five-man Russian unit was the first in the NHL, and I'll, I'll remember the uh, Philadelphia fans chanting USA, USA, whenever the Russian five were on mm-hmm. the ice. And not impressed with the Philadelphia fans. Yeah, I think that might go down as uh, being as smart as the Washington Capitals fans, uh, or the Washington Wizards fans uh, yelling that Ob- LeBron James right. is overrated. Uh, yeah, really overrated. That may go down in sports history as one of the dumbest 
things I've ever seen because uh, after Cleveland went on a 20-3 run there, I didn't hear the overrated chant again in Washington. Uh, LeBron James put on quite a show in the playoffs other than one poor game that he did did have. Anyway, um, interesting week uh, this past week in terms of the economy, all sorts of troubling numbers that continue to emerge. This, of course, follows uh, a week in which uh, 47 Americans died in Iraq, uh, the worst month since September. Haven't heard a lot uh, in the media about that. We've certainly heard a lot about Reverend Wright. And, and then some. My goodness. That, that story. story will not go away. And it and it's not much of a story at that. I don't understand it other than... Well, when is somebody going to go back and look at the uh, right-wing preacher types that yeah. Bush and so forth listened to, the Armageddonists? Sure. And, the I mean, the, the <clears throat> list of them is, you know, Parsley. There's... Uh, Hagee of Kufi, there's some of the idiotic things that Falwell and Robertson have said over the years. One of the most famous being, of course, that Tinky Winky was gay. And that women in the workplace is a sign of witchcraft and lesbianism. Yeah. Well, but Tom DeLay once blamed something on menstruation that I <laughs> won't even want to, don't even want to get into. Uh, we know the IQ of the GOP at times. But, yeah, I, it's a very interesting week with the, some of these economic statistics. Of course, the Fed pretty much indicates they're done uh, cutting rates. Uh, interest rates are essentially negative right now, real interest rates. Uh, and Japan uh, experienced that problem hmm. in, the, uh, in the 90s. And uh, I think the Fed is blown it on this i i just don't understand why um you know cutting the interest rates a quarter of a point isn't really going to do much at the end of the day and uh, the the signs there are just i think they're misreading the data but uh we've got these primaries tomorrow in uh, north carolina and indiana very interesting how obama has clearly lost momentum in the last Eight weeks, basically. I think he could have really put Hillary away in Texas, and it just didn't happen. Um, obviously, he came out of Texas with two delegates more because of their bizarre method of dis- distributing delegates, but it was that psychological win that she got. And well, it's just interesting. It's going to be interesting to see tomorrow if this one trend continues that I just wanted to mention. That is that, quote, late deciders have been going overwhelmingly for Hillary. Hmm. And uh, given the fact that she's got a five to six point lead in in Indiana and has closed the gap in North Carolina, if this if she would pull an upset in North Carolina, I think that would be a big story. But I expect a split decision. And uh, it's going to come down to uh, West Virginia, Oregon and Kentucky. Well, and then there's Over the, the next whole couple weeks. bizarre matter of the super delegates, yeah, and the question about whether or not they will overturn trends amongst popular vote in primaries. Uh, that would seem destructive to the party's desire and attempt to build a sort of a coalition-style base. 
Um, and I wonder if uh, I'm quite sure, in fact, that the Republicans would rather square off against Hillary. I think that's the, the general consensus, but there's odd logic in that. I mean, uh, the way I look at these two candidates, they've got strengths, they've got weaknesses. And, of course, Rush Limbaugh's on the uh, the sabotage campaign. But I, I doubt that there are that many uh, ditto heads out there that are voting in the Democratic primary for Hillary Clinton. I just, I don't see that much, much mischief. <laughs> ditto heads are... They're, I don't think they're that organized, for one thing, and I don't know if they're that intelligent. <laughs> um, I just think that there's some some real changes in momentum that have occurred for a variety of reasons. I think that the argument, by the way, that and, and I remain pretty much neutral. I don't really care who wins between Hillary or Obama. Um, as they say, I think they both have strengths and weaknesses, mm-hmm. though. I'll give Hillary a brain damage award on this gas tax holiday business um john mccain came out for that i say that's mccain's a couple weeks ago and i think her thinking on this was hey i can create a a little differential issue right before these primaries and mitigate a differential issue with mccain Hmm. in case i'm the nominee and i it's just bad logic and obama's absolutely correct on the substance of that debate though hillary of course quickly notes oh well we can make up the 10 billion dollars by taxing the oil companies that of course came out with absolutely obscene profits last week once mm-hmm. again 10 billion for exxon it's staggering numbers i mean <laughs> sickening numbers yeah um and of course oil today went up to an all-time high briefly went over 120 dollars a barrel due to uh, sabotage in nigeria that's uh been a continuing problem over the last several weeks and we've talked about uh, that problem down here on gray matters you may wonder why would nigeria be important well in fact nigeria is the statistics show the fifth largest supplier of uh, american oil in terms of daily imports and uh, certainly africa's largest supplier indeed so um that is interesting, but I, I one of the things that one of the arguments that I want to say address the Obama supporters on that I think is incorrect is this idea that he has somehow won the popular vote. He's mm-hmm. only won the popular vote if you throw out the votes of Michigan and Florida. I find that idea somewhat problematic michigan and florida account for something like seven percent of the american population um the the republicans are not going to win the white house if they don't win florida and the democrats may not win the white house if they don't win michigan so i think this idea of uh that obama sometimes has some some big lead in the uh popular vote is incorrect i found it very interesting when uh there was a big kerfuffle about Geraldine Ferraro and the uh, oh yes that whole thing a couple weeks ago and we don't need to go into what she said or whether it was racist and that, that was all baloney she got into trouble because she was the spokesperson on television that kept pointing out the difference between Florida and Michigan regarding whether or not the Democrats should count the results and the big important difference was that in Florida it was the Republicans 
rules within the state of Florida that created the mischief for the Democrats. In other words, it's the Republican legislature in Florida and the Republican governor of Florida that realized they could create problems for the Democrats after Michigan's Democrats had created a problem for themselves. Um, So I'm of the opinion that the Florida results should just count as is. Uh, I saw the data on, by the way, on just for instance, on the spending of uh, TV advertising in uh, Florida and both uh, Hillary and uh, Obama spent almost as much money as John McCain on TV advertising. Oh. So while there was no active campaigning going on, there was television advertising going on. And just throwing out the results from Florida make absolutely no sense to me. Um, I don't know why the Democrats keep dithering on this. This is why the Democrats uh, will have succeeded um, if they lose this uh, White House, this presidential race, of sabotaging themselves and just continuing to be a party of incredible incompetence. George Bush's approval ratings are at 27%. Um, His policies are not popular. 75% of the people in America think America's, quote, off track. Um... And even the casinos are starting to hurt. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, and, you know, you have a, an interesting study, and I just wanted to read this because I think it's indicative of some of the problems that are going to be upcoming uh, for John McCain, um, who, of course, last I knew, wants to stay in Iraq uh, indefinitely, uh, supports the... Uh, the tax cuts uh, that Bush has created, these massive deficits that, by the way, are, uh, in terms of percentage, are, are the, the second highest percentage of all time of GNP. Uh, Ronald Reagan finished first in that ca- category. He was one number one at something. But this is just an interesting study that I wanted to read about health care and the impact of uh, the continuing on un- rising unemployment numbers, mm-hmm. the job losses. Um, the unemployment rate went down a tenth of a point this past week, even though there was a net job loss in April. doesn't make any sense, but it's once again a reflection that the government statistics are um, loosey-goosey. Anyway, I wanted to read this. Kevin Sack, um, in last Tuesday's New York Times, Reports, leading health researchers projected Monday that each percentage rise in unemployment during the economic downturn would swell the uninsured 1.1 million, stoking demand for government health coverage just as states face pressure to cut benefits. Another way of looking at that is each one-tenth of a percent increase in unemployment would increase the number of uninsured by over 100,000. He continues, while governments at all levels have faced similar uh, situations in past uh, recessions, researchers warn the impact of the downturn might be worsened by its proximity to the last recession and by the cumulative effect of rising health costs. This uh, study, by the way, was uh, conducted for the Kaiser Family Foundation, reputable sort of nonpartisan uh, think tank, 
The number of uninsured Americans has grown relentlessly and now stands at 47 million or 16% of the population. One expert, um, Mr. Holohan, who's the director of health policy uh, for the Urban Institute, which uh, conducted the study on behalf of the Kaiser, said um, the heaviest hit is yet to come. A percentage increase in unemployment typically translates into a drop of state general f revenue of 3 to 4 percent, the Urban Institute said. A survey found that 27 states and the District of Columbia were forecasting budget deficits for the upcoming year, collectively exceeding $39 billion. Cuts to Medicare or, or Medicaid or uh, children's health programs have been proposed in 13 states because of, quote, balanced budget requirements. This is uh, very interesting stuff, and, of course, it goes on to note that 28% uh, of middle-income respondents are saying that health care costs have become a serious problem. 24% have said that they had skipped a recommended test or treatment up from 17% in 2005. Um, so this is beginning to... Um, have a serious impact on the uh, nation, both as an economic issue and as a health care issue. And this is why health care continues to be the number three issue uh, in the presidential campaign behind the economy and Iraq. The Reverend Wright, by the way, is nowhere to be found on the top ten issues. <laughs> well, what people want to... Uh here discussed and what will end up getting discussed are, of course, entirely different things. Um, I noticed a number of articles over the week uh, raising a lot of questions about vast quantities of money being spent on military matters with negligible to zero results. Mm -hmm. um, interesting article about a video um, posted online, uh, filmed by a father going to visit his son at Fort Bragg. Everybody's heard of Fort Bragg. It's a very famous training base. And uh, while visiting his son, recently returned from Iraq, uh, Fort Bragg's 82nd Airborne Division, the 82nd Airborne Division, famous, a lot of uh, military history there. Well, as it happens, the uh, barracks are uh, in terrible shape. Uh, peeling interior paint, bathroom drains plugged with sewage, everybody on the installation uh, knew that the conditions were unacceptable. Uh, troops were disgusted uh, to return after a 15-month stint of duty in Afghanistan uh, to come back to this. Well, the Pentagon is saying that uh, some improvements are coming, but some of the problems can't be fixed quickly. We have the biggest military budget in the world. It's the combined totals of several other nations. And uh, well, where is it all going? It's not going to provide facilities uh, for our troops. It's not going to provide uh, treatment for the brain-injured vets. Another item here from the Veterans Affairs Department says that uh, efforts fall short for roughly one in four patients uh, seeking health care, vocational rehabilitation, family support, or housing. Uh, a number of patients are citing trouble in getting primary uh, care, while others report gaps with family counseling for such problems as depression and anger. Well, you can't put a cost on ruined lives. 
But in the face of all this, uh, the U.S. military seeks more Afghan aid funds, Mm -hmm. a request uh, in an increase about double the money. Um, U.S. commanders in eastern Afghanistan want to double the amount of money they spend on military-led reconstruction in an attempt to choke off popular support for Taliban militants, writes John Boone uh, from... uh, posted in Kabul there for the Financial Times. Uh, they're calling for an increase in special funds, and these are spent at the discretion of officers. This is a strange little category. Uh, spending $206 million last year, requesting $410 million for this year. This is a program called the SERP, the C-E-R-P, Commander's Emergency Response Program, allows battalion commanders to spend up to 25000 on any one project without seeking permission from higher command so these are not necessarily organized or related efforts just well this might be a good thing let's spend it uh there's probably a number of high school or middle school or elementary school principals here in america who'd like to be able to throw twenty five thousand dollars around for books facilities uh equipment additional special ed teachers whatever the uh the demands might be but, uh, well, that's not going to happen. Uh, Navy Lieutenant Ashwin Karatil, the SERP manager for Eastern Afghanistan, says, We are not saying that if we give out $100,000, everything will be perfect. It's just the first step. So where is the money going? It's being given away to uh, groups which purport to be reconstructing and developing. And as we've seen all throughout Iraq as well, this just ain't happening. This yeah, money is going into a hole, which leads to somebody's pocket. And, of course, the head of the Pentagon, Robert Gates, last week, uh, in one of the more amazing claims uh, in recent years, claimed that Iran was aiding the Taliban. Uh, dude, you need to read some history. <laughs> the uh, Taliban in Iran almost went to war in 1998, and, in fact... Uh, Without going into elaborate theories, I have never ruled out the possibility that Imad Mughnia may have penetrated bin Laden's diabolical plot, if it indeed was bin Laden's diabolical plot. We've, uh, we're always catching somebody, the number three man in al-Qaeda. I think we've killed him like ten times already. And there was an attack, by the way, in Somalia recently. Uh, which, by the way, right now is uh, characterized by humanitarian organizations as the worst situation in the world uh, in terms of famine, health care, outright warfare. This is a, a Somalia is another classic example of a casualty of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. America's involvement in Somalia goes back uh, way too long, uh, back into the 1980s and the Ronald Reagan years. And, of course... H.W. Bush, this will not stand. Uh, I think there's a documentary tonight on PBS, by the way, featuring H.W. They're doing a little series this month called The Presidents, and he's the feature tonight. Might be interesting to tune into that. Um, Of course, the sequel is always worse than the the original. (laughs) It's almost always true. We see that in movies all the time. Um, but leaving aside Mr. Gates's theory about a collaboration between Iran and the Taliban, which is 
just ludicrous. Um, different uh, elements of the of, of the Muslim religion, uh, historical conflicts, and different strengths within Afghanistan. I mean, this right. doesn't even show an understanding of what's going on there. Uh, needless to say, by the way, um, speaking of the global war on terrorism and the Oh, interesting propaganda issued by the American government. Just last week, the um, the government reported that the number of attacks in Pakistan grew from 2006 to 2007. It nearly doubled. Now, get these numbers. I mean, this is staggering stuff. The number of deaths from attacks in Pakistan quadrupled, leading to 1,335 fatalities. The new statistics show that terrorist strikes against non-military targets worldwide remain virtually unchanged at roughly 14,500 attacks, but the number of deaths from those attacks increased to 22,685, according to the uh, National Counterterrorism Center. Now, obviously, they're including Iraq numbers there or something, um, have there been any terrorist attacks in America? I don't know, but we hear a lot about terrorism in this country. And, of course, you always have to take these uh, government reports with a, <clears throat> a grain of salt because uh, the report lists five countries as state-sponsored state sponsors of terrorism, Iran, Syria, the Sudan, Cuba, and North Korea. Cuba? Where has Cuba committed a terrorist attack in, I don't know, the last 20 years? I, <laughs> I'm just unaware of one. I haven't heard about any Cuban soldiers in Angola in quite some time. And where's Cuba committing terrorism? I, I just want to know one example of it. Um, well, they have to make the list for nostalgic purposes. Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's sort of like a <clears throat> editing problem there. Um, North well, in Korea. Afghanistan, uh, the attacks are way up too. So you know, yeah, they're in, they're they've made the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is uh, very strange. Of course, there's nothing on the list about Somalia uh, or any of the other problems in Central Asia. I mean, there's all sorts of problems there uh, with terrorism. So it's it, this is very vague, but it, it's interesting and and troubling, of course, that the situation in Pakistan has deteriorated so much. Uh, maybe instead of bombing people, uh, we can drop some acid. <laughs> and of course, Albert Hoffman. Yes, on on their heads, and maybe they will discover the Beatles. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, I just wanted to throw that in uh, since he. He passed away this past week at uh, the age of 102. 102. And we'll, uh, we'll have to talk more about his passing uh, in an upcoming show. The fine book, uh, Acid Dreams by Martin Lee, and the yeah. very interesting involvement of the CIA's thinking back in the 1950s. Well, in their search for a sort of a truth serum. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very interesting history there. And, of course, culture as we know it would not be as it is today without Albert Hoffman and his fa famous bicycle ride. His famous bicycle ride, and of course there are even some now intellectual theories that part of the biblical revelations may be 
Uh, well, they, rye, rye grain. Ergot. Yeah, they could well have been inspired. Because um, he was synthesizing uh, rye grain back in, back in the day. And, uh, well. And uh, the rest is history. Yeah, we should talk about that again with the uh, summer coming up and so forth. And, of course, last year, 40th anniversary of the Summer of Love. This year, the anniversary of uh, 1968, one of the most traumatic and uh, troubling years in American history, 1968, sure. uh, for a number of reasons. It's the year when things that looked so promising and, and hopeful and filled with potential were suddenly uh, dashed cruelly in a number of ways. So uh, I'm sure that will uh, come up as the uh, year continues to go along. Nearing the end of the hour, I'll have to maybe talk a little bit next week about some... I've been talking about this for a while. We've been talking about it for over a year now down here on Gray Matters, that the way the United States has sort of positioned itself against this so-called axis of evil and then against the rest of the world, uh, it, it seems like it's gone out of its way to force an alliance between Iran and powers of the east china for example um, now there's interesting uh, developments iran and india discussing uh, negotiations for gas pipeline mm -hmm. iran and china have uh, secured deals for gas europe is now beginning to make deals uh with iran uh for natural gas iran has the second largest proven gas reserves exports well below potential and now a swiss company has uh looked into an arrangement with Iran, the United States is losing control of its own allies sure. um, because of the way it's managed or mismanaged uh, the events in the Middle East. Well, and that's so true, and of course it's indicative that the entire thesis of the Bush administration's um, saber-rattling against Iran is just mindless. Look, this country is the second, the third largest possessor of petroleum and the second largest possessor of natural gas. This idea that Iran is going to launch missiles against Europe, or in the case of Hillary Clinton, who's been using Iran uh, in the campaign trail, uh, talking about a nuclear attack against Israel, this is all loony bins. Um, Iran does not have a nuclear weapon at the moment. Uh, Israel probably does. They've had it for quite some time. <laughs> and I've been reading a very interesting book uh, by the way, about uh, the 67 war and, mm -hmm. and the internal discussions of the Israeli government regarding protecting their uh, nuclear uh, program uh, that was very active in the 60s. I think we're about out of time here, yeah. So, okay, uh, well, thanks to yeah. Andrew for engineering. We, we do want to thank Andrew for engineering. You are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. And Morgan is uh, up and raring to go with uh, Yazoo City calling this Looks like it may be one of our last weeks down here in the makeshift studio. Yeah, I think we're ready to head back across the hall. I know we're ready. I'm not sure if the studio's ready, yeah. but soon yeah. it will be. Soon it will be. So uh, it's been an interesting experience down here. I noticed that Robert Vescope, his death was announced last week. A very interesting Richard Nixon figure. Oh, yeah. Who uh, lived in Cuba for quite some time. <laughs> and... Uh, Seems to have given Richard Nixon quite a lot of cash uh, off the books that may have ended up in that safe that was utilized to burglarize Watergate. We could get that. We can get that. When Speaking of a million dollars in cash, to buy off good old uh, master of 
forger of state papers, E. Howard Hunt. Well, those are the things we talk about on Gray Matters. Morgan's 